there. Welcome. And thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. So this is from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 23. And so, siblings, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as fleshly, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you're still not ready, for you are still fleshly. For as long as there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not fleshly and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, or another, I belong to Apollos, are you not all too human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and each will receive wages according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers, working together. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each builder choose with care how to build on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that someone has built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a wage. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think you're wise in this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast about people, 
for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Full of God. Thanks be to God. Everybody hear me? Okay. Um, I wonder if you are familiar with um, some Christian one-liners. What they are? Um, you probably know, you'll come up with you'll come up with so many more than I have. Um, but the, the ones that came to me off offhand immediately uh, were like too blessed to be stressed. You know? Yeah. It's like oh, you groan as you laugh. Yeah. Um, or uh, this, this one comes out of the Pentecostal church, uh, uh, too anointed to be disappointed. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, I couldn't think of as many as I wanted to think of, but it came to uh, the point being, there is one that I cannot stand. Uh, there is one Christian one-liner that it feels like it crops up, uh, even if it's not said explicitly, it seems to be in the waters of a lot that people talk about. Uh, and especially this week, it came to mind again as I listened to like morning news, maybe not news, uh, talk show, um, commentary on Morocco or Libya, right? Uh, and I got to thinking, it's, it's that, like, it drives me crazy, but it's in the waters of what they say, even if, of course, on a morning talk show they don't use the word God, it's still in the waters of the way they're trying to make sense or trying to um, redeem this horrible story across the globe, right? And the line is, God won't give you more than you can handle. Ugh, right? Like, it makes my skin crawl. Um, I, and... It's, yeah, it comes out subtly in a lot of conversations, not normally with you all, um, but, or maybe not intentionally from you, but might come up in even a common table or something, trying to make sense of our pain in a way that, um, that rescues God, right? I think one reason that I do not like this phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, um, I, I don't like it because it assumes that God gives us heartache, right? That's the first part of it that is just hard to reconcile. Uh, that God gives us pain or anxiety or financial hardship or job loss or grief or natural disaster, that God is up there kind of dropping little marbles of pain or sadness on us, but just enough, just enough, so that we don't completely topple over. Never more than that, but enough. Um, I, I hope we know as a community that this is just a way of thinking that is categorically out of sync with the heart of God. I really hope you know that. It does not match the God we get in scripture, it's, it does not match the God we, we, we love and, and seek to emulate and embody at Kingstown. Um, and so this line, God won't give you more than you can handle, it makes me crazy, because we all know that there are plenty of times, have been plenty of times in each of our lives, 
where what is happening in our life right at that moment is actually far more than we can handle. Maybe you can think of that moment. When you go to sleep just hoping, praying to not receive another troubling phone call about another problem that you have to solve. When you feel like you are already juggling more external burdens that you know how, then you know how to keep in the air. What is happening is so much more than we can handle. When you start the day promising once again that you're not going to numb yourself because of all the burdens that you have that you've got to hold in the air, um, what is happening is, is so much more than you can handle. When you jump every time the phone rings because you know it's another creditor for a late bill or, um, or you're expecting another phone call that would come, bring it all come crashing down, it's... It, it's just so much to handle. And so when I encounter people who are waiting for healing in these sorts of, in this sort of pain, any of the ways that we experience pain, who are begging God to be healed from emotional or financial or, or relational pain, mental pain, it makes me furious when I hear God won't give them, me, any of us, more than we can handle, except except that someone um, that I actually very much respect try, has, has, is trying to redeem this phrase. Someone taught me um, recently, an act, a theologian that I, I really respect, and I was very leery of the redemption of this phrase. They said that what's happening here in this line, um, the, there's actually a verse that it comes from that has been misappropriated often, um, but she says that it, if we look at it with, it's the plural you, not the singular you. God won't give you more than y'all can handle. Hmm. I'm not sure if I believe it, but it's a nice way to redeem it. Um, that means that God won't give you more than your community surrounding you can handle if you're willing to let them help you. This is what I've enjoyed most as I've read through 1 Corinthians. Last week we were in chapter 1. This week we're in, in the third chapter. And thank you, Alex. If you remember last week, as we, we kind of plundered the family letter drawer um, of Paul, if you want, and Paul says, if you want to be people of courageous faith, courageous living, courageous conversation, you must first remember your call. And I've, I've been remembering my call this week. I hope maybe you have too, been re remembering your call. Remembering the times in your life when you have felt God uniquely directing you, calling you, speaking to you, nudging you. Maybe it has to do with your vocation, your work. Maybe it has to do with a relationship and the kind of entry into that relationship or the exiting of that relationship. Maybe it has to do with your, your role in the church. Think about those. I've been thinking about my call recently. Um, and 
I've been reminiscing a bit about how my call to ministry was rekindled in in an inner city classroom in Norfolk, Virginia. And I keep, I've forgotten that. Like eight years, seven to eight years can really make you forget that. Where at the end of the day, half of my students, the ones who happened to be white, walked left with their parents to million-dollar homes on the river, while the other half of my students walked across a set of railroad tracks that you could see from the window of our school by themselves every day. Every day I watched this happen outside the classroom window, and I, I would stay after school to help remediate students, and I heard their stories and their anguish and how they didn't want to walk home And my call, I have to remember, my call was re-enlivened there in those conversations. This week, I was reminded about how this was such a pivotal part of my call. I was hearing these stories after school, on afternoons in a public high school. um, and, And it kind of set my heart on fire for God in this and in, in the work of God in the world, the healing of God in the world, for the justice of God in the world. Not a, not a kind of justice perpetuated by various agendas, right? But the kind that like the prophets talk about. So that people ask questions of why do you preach so often about race or or, or why are you so why do you feel like you can talk about that? Or, or why do you think it's important to talk about that? And it's because this call, I have to remember, it's because my call birthed out of this gripping encounter with racial injustice. And to not have courageous conversations about that would be not true to my call. So I wonder if you've been thinking about your call and those moments and how, how, they, how they have informed your life and the living of your call. But today we move on to the second part of our vision. Last week we talked about courageous conversation. Move on to the second part of our vision, creative community. That a value of our church is something we name as creative community. And we wonder how that value can become a virtue which is something that is kind of nestled in our heart and become and kind of oozes out of our practice of living. A virtue for us on the on the Christian journey. The scripture today makes it clear. It actually makes it, Paul makes it clear beginning even in in in, in chapter one. Um, before we we look to chapter three, we, Paul encourages us. Hey, siblings, in faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, agree with one another and, and don't be divided into all these rival groups. Instead, be restored in, with the same mind and the same purpose. And Paul is talking to this little church, as I mentioned last week. This is a one- to three-year-old church, but he has in mind what this church might be when it becomes uh, five years old, ten years old, twenty years old, maybe what this church might be as it is institutionalized. Redeeming that word institutionalized, meaning like a thing that lives on generation after generation after generation. Paul is thinking forward to that. And Paul first says, remember your call. If you want to be about courageous conversation, remember your call. And then 
Paul says, if you want to be a generative community, a community that is about doing the work of God, this new thing in the community, you must remember the shared purpose that you all have. Not your individual call only, but the shared purpose that we all have. This is what Paul says is the heart of community. This is what Paul says differentiates the church from any other various group out there that in the midst of different ideologies and different understandings of how faith and politics intersect in different backgrounds, different places we all came from, different backgrounds of faith, different backgrounds of culture, different backgrounds of different households, different upbringings in all different parts of the country that we, that we are united in the shared purpose of being the the new thing that God is doing in the world, bringing about the healing that the world desperately needs. And so then in chapter 3, Paul starts, actually first not on the screen, uh, but Paul starts out by saying at the beginning of chapter 3, you say you belong to Paul, and you say that you belong to Apollos, but others say I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided has Christ been, been ripped apart into so many various purposes and agendas? And the way we read this is often like folks who throw out, like, God won't give you more than you can handle without knowing what it even means. We, we read this as, and we, we read it as, forget who's in power, forget about what it means or, or what it says or what it implies. Jesus is Lord, that's all that matters, that you belong to God, that I belong to God, that you belong to God. But proclaiming Jesus as Lord as a way to kind of wipe away responsibility, forget all the rest, Jesus is Lord, is like kind of forgetting that it was, it was the empire that crucified Jesus. So when Paul says, you belong to Christ, has Christ been divided Paul's saying, like, you know what, what's creative and imaginative and compelling about the community we find in the church here in this kind of place is that we, no matter what, are united around the shared purpose of seeking God's healing and then bringing healing to the world. And so the only posture, the only posture that the church then can take that we as Christians should ever take is a posture that we could and should rightly reclaim as our call, maybe to this word we often hate but is right, our call to evangelism or invitation. What are we to say to the world around us? What posture are we to take? It's not none, I will tell you that. <laughs> what posture are we to take? What, what are we to say to the world around us? We are to say, hey, if you're hurting, I'm uniquely designed as a saint of God, as, as a Christian, to help with that. If you're hurting, that's what I'm here for. That's what we're here for, to work as an agent of Jesus for your healing, that you, in whatever gives you anguish, whatever brings you pain, whatever feels like far more than you could ever handle, might be made new. And here's the thing about healing. It's, it's rarely ever a solitary event. 
Healing rarely comes through that mentality that Jesus and I can just fix this little thing on our own. Or that I've got God and I don't need anything else. Perhaps, perhaps we're waiting for healing because we can't fathom a world where other people will help to carry us to that healing. Perhaps we're waiting for healing because we're not willing to let our community be a part of that healing. And so that's what Paul is talking about through the rest of chapter 3. Talking about through, through this language this language that we use a lot here at Kingstown because we're a church within the first 10 years, 15 years of life, maybe we'll never get rid of it. We'll be like a 40-year-old church. We'll be like, you know, this church plant. Um, we'll be calling ourselves a church plant still at 40. Um, but it's language that we use all the time here, this language of planting and building. As we're always planting and we're always building. We're always relaunching. We're always cultivating something new, right? We use this language a lot for new things. We're a new thing, kind of. We're year seven, but it's still new. Um, Paul uses this language of planting and building to describe the work of the church. Maybe to say that the church should never, ever, any church that's forsaken the language of planting and building has lost the purpose, lost its mission entirely. Any church that has gotten so used to being institutionalized that it forgets that it once was something new that God envisioned and God called and a purpose beyond ourselves, maybe it's, lost its, maybe it's lost its purpose. I believe we come into this world wired to let people know what is hurting in us, wired to let our community help us heal, except at, at some point, at some point, the world teaches us to cover up that hurt and those places that need healing. And our voices become more and more quiet as we stop saying aloud what hurts us. And Paul reminds us again that our shared purpose is its this language of, of renewal, of planting, of building a shared purpose that involves all of us to be agents of healing. And so um, let's look again at this. I planted, Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. To be about what God is doing. I lay the foundation, but someone else is building on it. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. I believe that at some point, we stop remembering that we're all in need of healing. And we decide that we can handle things on our own. What might it take for, for you, for me, to, for us to, to trust two things, that, that this community could be a part of your healing, but trust that you are uniquely equipped to be a part of the healing of the world around you. If I were to guess the main reason why people don't or feel uncomfortable, feel uncomfortable by words like evangelism and invitation, which are uniquely ours to do, um, 
It's because you don't feel like you could possibly ever be equipped to be about the healing of the world around you. That's all that means. I, I will say until... Um, it's, it's something that I, we... It's so hard for, for, for any church in this area. Um, we are, are sophisticated um, kind of... In the, we, we like our, our, our space and um, we're... And I think this is just a plight of the whole community at large. Um, uh, this growing isolation, growing individualism... Um, growing, just getting kind of locked inside our own house and in our own neighborhood and, and, and not, not venturing out from it because we're just all so exhausted, and I know. But I believe that this space here, um, it's only on the edge, not, not, even, not even there yet, of what, what this could be as a space of healing for us and our community. Like, we... And it will, will require us with each other to begin to share, to be vocal about the healing that we need and the healing that the world needs. I, I saw this, um, I remember about, it was like seven or eight years ago now, I didn't think that this was possible, like did not think that this could ever be until I attended a church, it was not in D.C. Metro, which is why this is so hard, because this area just breeds people that have trouble letting um, kind of the facade down. But I, I visited a church, um, and I saw something that I never had, I never seen something so wholly authentic um, happen in a space of worship before. Um, we they had one of those times where you share your prayers openly in the service. I'm not a big fan of that, but maybe that's what it takes for a community like that, us, to start opening up to each other. Maybe it does take a time where we have people stand up and share their prayers. Um, maybe that's what it looks like to be a small church and might, might as well lean into it. Maybe that's the new thing that God is calling us towards um, that feels like a very old thing, right? But maybe that is the new thing. But they, they had a time in the service where they had people you know, share their prayers out loud um, and I thought it was going to be, you know, your typical list. Um, but but it, it, it was wholly different. Um, a guy stood up and said, uh, I got this new computer. And since I was 12 years old, computers have been um, the, the side of my greatest shame and greatest addiction. And I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I got this new laptop, and now I'm, I haven't wanted to unpack it because I'm afraid of what it might make me, what I might dive back into. Will you pray for me? Or um, someone else shared in a space like that, how, I mean, how just unbelievably authentic. Someone else shared... Um, that she, she had just gotten out of the hospital. She had had a back surgery. And they had given her a lot of prescription pills. And she was really worried about how her history of addiction married with those pills. What could come of that? And she shared it aloud. 
in a, in a space of worship. And somebody else raised, <laughs> raised their hand and said, hey, who's going to go with her um, to this week and, and, and flush them down the toilet? Good Lord. Um, how intimate, how unbelievably raw. Um, but there's something about that in that space, I knew that every single person knew that they uniquely were in need of healing. That's what that says. That not somebody across the row was in need of healing. Not whoever hasn't come, and I'm just, I'm a part of a church that heals others, that works towards the healing of the way that people see the church, that works towards the healing of the world, um, works to, um, you know, works with good nonprofits to, um, to work against poverty on the Route 1 corridor and works, works with Hayfield to, to re- reduce isolation of teenagers uh, by creating a courtyard. No, but like starts to see themselves as in need of God's healing too. I um, would love to give the rest of this time today um, to a couple people from our church who I think over the last four years they've been involved in our church, and COVID, I, I have no idea how long you've been in our church now, because it's just, what is that timeline? I have no clue. But uh, have, have come to realize the healing that needed to take place in them, and how the generative kind of birthing things new imagining possibilities that never existed before creative community of this church helped them to realize that healing and to to begin to inch forward a little bit. Megan and Carly, would you come up? Don't touch it. I'll just leave it. <laughs> Let him do Hello. it. Hello. Okay, there we go. Um, for those of you who don't know us, I'm Carly Collins, and this is my wife, Megan. Um, and our son, Benny, is in the back. Uh, we're hopefully... And no, he's not. <laughs> um, so when Michelle asked us to kind of give our testimony about the church, she didn't say a whole lot about what to say. She gave us a general idea and so it's, um, the sermon just really resonated with us. And as we've been kind of talking about what we want to talk about today, listening to your sermon, I was like, was she following us on our walks? <laughs> like as we were brainstorming what to say. Um, and so we have been members for, I think, about three and a half years. And we started attending about a year prior to that. We came to the Knowles Christmas service. And uh, after the service was, we were packing hygiene kits. I remember what kind of hooked us was just, you know, being at a service at a flower nursery, doing community service after, and thinking like, wow, this church really does things differently. Um, And so after that, we asked to meet with Michelle, and we met with her for a beer at a local brewery. And Megan, having come from the Catholic church, and me from a small Baptist church, thinking, we, they really do things differently. <laughs> like, like we're having a beer with a woman pastor. <laughs> and so, um, but what we were really looking for um, as a lesbian couple was a church that was not just welcoming, but affirming. Because it's easy to avoid spaces that you know are going to be super harmful. 
But there's so many spaces where you hear things like, well, God loves you even though, and we know you're gay, but we still love you and we still want you here. And there's just so much hurt and woundedness in that even though and in that still. And we had had enough of that and knew that's not what we want in our, in our church community. Um, and it's definitely not what we need. And so when we met with Michelle, um, you know, we were kind of talking about that. And it was clear Michelle was, you know, awesome. And we got really good vibes and energy from her. I remember asking her, but what about the rest of the congregation? Like, what, how can you speak to them? I remember Megan saying, because we're super gay. So, like, like are they going to be okay with this? And I remember Michelle, you know, just really praising the congregation at that time. And I remember, you know, we both just had a really hard time believing it. I mean, like, you know, I feel like she can speak for a few people, but surely she can't speak for everyone there. And it's just such a hard thing to be able to trust that we could step into a place of worship and, and actually be loved for entirely for who we were. And it's just uh, springing from a woundedness that comes from both of our different experiences um, with that. And so I'll let Megan. Um, so that's kind of how we got started. And I think Michelle, more than anybody, could probably understand this next part I'm going to talk about, which is the last three years. Um, so we're here. We're doing it. And we've been struggling with, like, why can't, why can't we just fully do it? You know, so it was like Michelle was like, hey, Megan, you want to be on leadership? I'm like, sure. Do you want to lead the prayer, like, for the beginning of this meeting? Um, I don't know what to say to God. Like, I, I don't know. No. Carly, we totally support you on your journey to seminary. Do you want to share your call? That seems a little personal and, and scary. And so we've, we've gone back and forth. Like, even, you know, we laughed this little thing. Michelle asked us, like, can you commit to trivia on Thursday nights? And we were both like, that seems like we're really in it. Like, what if we get hurt, you know? And so just having that, like... Well, it's just like we were talking about, like, just feeling this stiff arm and then be like, I'll read the scripture on Sunday morning. Okay, now back off of me. You know, and this kind of, like, moving in and out and wanting to do it, but we were talking about, like, why can't we church better? Yeah, like, yeah. What like is, we, 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 we struggle with the churching, and we know that we're not the only people in this community. Like, yes, our hurt stems from being gay, but we know that there's a lot of people who have church hurt for all sorts of reasons. And the reason, you know, even though we stiff arm sometimes on the simplest of things like Thursday night trivia, um, the magic of Kingstown is like, we live in Northern Virginia. There are a lot of churches who will love us for who we are. There's a lot of rainbow flags out. Kingstown loves us for where we are, you know, and, and where we are with that very messy, complicated relationship that we have with God and church, you know, and I think that is what makes this community so much different than just a rainbow flag church and uh, what makes us stick around, even though we aren't the best at churching and we're still trying to figure it out, but. Yeah, and, and like Megan said, like it's not just about LGBTQ um, community. I, I know there are people here that have been wounded and have hurt in, in different ways. And to me, this church has just always been such a, a unique place, a refuge 
um, for people to be able to come and bring all that through the door with them and a community that that surrounds us and has just immense patience and loving kindness um, to, to not just kind of cast those of us who are wounded to the side, but still bringing us in, still wrapping around us. Um, I don't know where, I'm gonna get choked up. <laughs> um, I don't know where we would be spiritually um, had we not had this support. Um, you know, we do things like, you know, we do, uh, we have an Advent wreath. We come to uh, Ash Wednesday. We pray with Benny and um, just do things that I, I don't know that we ever expected to be able to do. Not six years ago. Um, not six years ago when church had just pushed us and just, you know, still recovering from feeling like God just didn't want us. Um, and so being able to be here and and work through that and, and grow and just have a family that, you know, comes to church. Um, the fact we're even here is just huge and so much of that's because of y'all and we're just uh, immensely grateful for the way you help people heal. Thank you. Somebody write that down. Loving people not for what they are, but where, but for, yeah, not for who they are, but where they are. Um, let's pray. God, we um, want to believe that you are doing a new thing. Seven years in, even. You're doing a new thing here. We have done, I mean, we just, it's, it's such a beautiful space. We love this church. It means so much to us. And yet, we also know that you might be doing a new thing again here to make it, make this space a little more authentic, a little bit more um, the creative community that we say we are, that, that imagines the possibilities for all of our healing so that we might imagine the possibilities for the healing of the community around us. God, we don't want to be anything that we are not called to be. We don't want to invest in a shared purpose that is not built on the foundation of Jesus. And so any young, you know, naive, one step in, one step out, arm length distance, what, any of that, God, we ask that you would, you'd break that wall down. Or help us make sense of it, even if we're not ready to break it down. Help us know what it is. Help us know the why so that we might begin to work towards healing. So that we can be the church you're really calling us to be, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you.